0: Welcome to the Homeschool High School podcast brought to you by Seven Sisters, Homeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Vicki and again this week I am not with Sabrina or Kim because they are off on other assignments and I get a chance to interview someone that I have been trying for months to catch up with. So a fellow podcaster here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network who is... A genius in the area of language arts and can explain to us why on earth, why, 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 why do we have to do all these language arts credits? So, um, so let me introduce you to Katie Glennon. So, Katie, say hi and tell us about the stuff you do.
1: Well, hi, Vicki, and thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I have to say, um, thank you for the compliment, but I really enjoy Seven Sisters, and I have to say that. In particular, recently, I've loved your blog posts, and one of them was the um, heavy equipment mothering, which I really (laughs) loved reading about. I loved the analogies. I thought they were great, Um, So, and I could definitely relate to them. So I have to tell you, I do enjoy what you all share. Thank you
0: very much, Katie. So tell us about what you were doing on the network and also the things that you write.
1: Okay, well, I've recently begun a podcast um, called the Literary Cafe Podcast, where I share all things language arts for all ages, and that includes grammar and writing as well as literature and reading. And so I try to be very practical in what I talk about as well as full of suggestions and ideas for homeschoolers to immediately be able to try them and implement them in their own homeschools. And I specifically target different kinds of learning styles as well as trying to encourage parents to bring in their children's individual interests, unique talents and strengths, and really play up those while tying in what we call language arts. And then also finding some meaning and purpose in them as well.
0: That is, that is so encouraging. The problem with language arts is that it seems like such a drudge, kind of like, you know, why do we have to study algebra? You know, what good is algebra? Where are we going to use that in real life? Mm-hmm. But the, it, it's sometimes a little bigger reach explaining why someone should study algebra than language arts, really, when you think about it. But most of the time, we just don't think about it. We just do our language arts. So mm-hmm. um Yes. So we will put links to the Literary Cafe in the show notes and then other things as they come up, too. But, Katie, I was wondering if we could just launch right in and talk about why on earth it is good. Like, why should high schoolers study Mm -hmm. language arts?
1: Okay. Well, um, my homeschool background with my kids, um, we, we, my husband and I, we met as teachers. I was an English oh. teacher. He was a science teacher. And oh. um, I eventually left the cl- classroom and became a uh, trainer to teachers around the southeast. Oh. Uh-huh. And he went into administration um, as a vice principal and then an acting principal and eventually left education, as did I. Um, Eventually, we had our children. God blessed us with two boys, eventually. And uh, from there, we just took off. It took me a while to make sure I wasn't going to homeschool for my own selfish reasons. Uh So we did experiment with the school system. And for my children, it was just not a great fit. I had one who could not sit still at all in the classroom. The The institution was just not made for him, and he was not made for the institution. However, he was in the gifted class, and when I took him out, what we did was very experiential. um, As well, on transcripts for the high school, you could see that it it looked like a traditional curriculum. However, he was very, very hands-on, along with reading and writing. Uh, that was most of what we did, read, write, and then experience.
0: And, you know, that's that, that's just so important th- to remember that there's not one right way to homeschool. And a kid who needs to be hands-on, there's no reason you can't maintain that through high school. So you're awesome.
1: Oh. Well, and it's true because my other son was the exact opposite, whereas my older one was very outgoing and extroverted and things came very easily to him and he was very wiggle-wormy. To the point where now I have to tell, I have to tell you and also encourage other homeschoolers that this is the boy who I would get notes home sent to me every day while he was in the classroom about (laughs) not paying attention and that he was always into everything and he wasn't cooperative. But he just recently, and this is just a little bit of a mom moment, but it's, I mean it as an encouragement to other moms, don't get frustrated in the early years. And I have two reasons one is this this boy graduated just this past year summa cum laude um, with Arabic oh. and Middle Eastern studies, uh-huh. um, as well as um, he's pursuing bass pro fishing. <laughs> So That the, is the best. <laughs> so this is the boy, if there was a creek, he was in it. And not uh-huh. only was he in it, but he was face down in it usually. Okay. Uh-huh. So as you said, not one size fits all. Um, you yeah. know, some children just don't fit into a niche. And that was definitely this child. But homeschooling, and especially during the high school years, it gave him that opportunity to find his niche. And, and that's so beautiful, yes. So, and then my other one, he was, as I said, the exact opposite. He was more introverted, and um, he, we were in speech therapy for two years with him. He was 98% profound, um, as well as showing signs of dyslexia, where he would write his name backwards in cursive, and that's first and last name, so everything was in mirror images. And reading did not come easily to him. Sure. And our motto, through homeschooling, was slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. And it was a marathon and it was not a sprint. And now that son, um, and has also graduated from high school. He's in college and he's pursuing an MBA and he, um, is now a leader Um, And this introverted child who was very afraid to even speak and would hide behind my knees because of homeschooling and the opportunity to find out who he was and what his strengths were, he is a leader now of like 2,000 scouts. So um, I just really want to encourage all parents that if you find that the institution that we know as school is not the right fit for your child, your child can find their right fit. So
0: it's, it's so beautiful to look at our children with their differences and struggles, not as damaged kids. Exactly. Your, your boys were not damaged. They weren't trouble. They were just having their own differences and uniqueness and homeschooling gave you a chance to develop their strengths and help them find out how to fulfill the things that God made them to do so studying arabic and wiggling through being a bass pro fisherman or <laughs> becoming a leader in business and scouts so
1: mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, that's what I, that's why I just love, I mean, this is coming from what, who used to be a traditional classroom teacher, and if I could go back into the classroom, if they would allow me to restructure the whole thing and do it all over again, (laughs) Mm -hmm. from what I've learned through homeschooling, um, I really do enjoy playing to a child's interests and unique strengths and talents, as you said, that God gave them, and that's what I try to do as well in what I am doing with my podcast Um, and to bring it around to the whole idea of why study language arts and study literature in particular is, especially when you have a reluctant reader or a reluctant writer, I try to build on every child's, even in the classroom when I am teaching, each child's strengths and interests and innate abilities that God has given them and play those up, but also at the same time, develop the writing skills, develop the literary skills, because they are important. And um, I'll lead lead right into why.
0: Oh, I thank you very much. Uh, That's great.
1: Okay. Um, First and foremost, um, I really love just exploring literature as a way of looking at the written word like it's a work of art, Uh, because the writer has a way of using words to evoke feelings, create a mood, or paint a picture in the reader's minds. And the written word or even the spoken word is a really strong tool that you can use because you can plant pictures, you can plant images, you can plant thoughts, feelings, and moods in whoever is listening to those words or reading those words. So I really feel like words are a very, very important and strong tool and you need to use them wisely. Um, and that brings me to the one of the first points of uh, literature is practicing analyzing our worldviews. And as a Christian, I fall back on God's word and I use that as my filter to interpret what I'm listening to or reading and deciding for myself Is that from a Christian viewpoint or a more humanistic viewpoint? Is it true or is it false? How does that fall through my filter as a Christian? Am I going to buy into what that person is saying or what that person is writing? And then I believe that that's a really important skill to develop in your children, you know, based on your own family's worldview and your uh, viewpoints and morals and beliefs, where it gives you an opportunity when you're reading a piece of writing to have that discussion with your kids about your personal beliefs and your morals and your viewpoints and have them develop their own filter where, what are they going to believe? What are they going to discount as no, that's not what I believe. And I believe that's especially in today's world where sometimes things are not black and white, but yet they might be presented as um, true versus mm-hmm. false. And there's a definite line and, and, it's almost like it can be painted as true when it's really not, depending upon your viewpoints. Um, to give you an example, dystopian literature nowadays is, is has been popular.
0: Yes, right.
1: Where there's a good side and then there's an evil side. And it may be hard to interpret what side is good and what side is evil because there's kind of a blur in the middle where... Th- the morals or the belief systems kind of change depending upon the situation and they become Uh more of a relative as opposed to an absolute idea. Uh And so your family can take advantage of that reading opportunity to discuss these ideas is this is something our family believes in. This is something our family doesn't believe in. If you're in a situation like this, our belief doesn't change. This is what we believe is always right. It doesn't change depending upon the situation. Whereas in dystopian literature, it can change and then the characters can also change with their belief systems. And so literature really gives you a, a, good tool to go ahead and um, use that to discuss and help your child form who he or she is and what they believe in. Um, And that's something that we really did a lot in our family.
0: I think that's so important is um, not all families can do this, but as often as possible, the parents, or at least mom, um, can benefit by reading the books, even if she needs to get an audio book uh, version mm-hmm. of the literature your kids are reading mm-hmm. and uh, at least some of the books to, to be familiar with the book. And then if she can't c- formulate her own discussion questions to use a, a literature study guide, like seven sisters homeschool yes. and really lean into, um, what the family worldview is and, you know, to compare and contrast with other worldviews, because these are things that the kids are already facing on social media. Yes. And, you know, the, the news that they are exposed to. So to be able to say, oh, I recognize worldviews and I recognize um, where there is manipulation of material uh, so that, that worldview and critical thinking skills is something that family discussions can really, really clarify yes. and help kids mm-hmm. gain those skills. How did you do that with your Wiggly Reader?
1: <laughs> we, well, uh, fortunately... When he has a chance to talk, he will stop wiggling long enough to talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah,
1: because he tends to be my more extroverted child. So if he has uh-huh. an opportunity to express his thoughts and his opinions, he will take that opportunity, even if he's moving around while he's doing it. So now
0: you're you're one with the dyslexia. Did you use audio books, or how did he get through his literature? We
1: we did a, a combination of audio um, and a lot of. Wow, um I read all the I read all the way through high school with my kids, especially when it yeah. came to the classics, um, we which too. were a little bit yeah. more challenging. They are, yeah. we built reading into um, a daily nap or quiet time. We had reading uh-huh. before bed. They were uh-huh. always going to the library and getting books on tape, uh, yeah. whether it's just to listen to it or to read along with the book. Um, Mm -hmm. I also used a brain integration therapy with my son to help overcome some of these, um, learning challenges that he was having that really helped a lot. Um, and he, I, he, he overcame, um, his, his reading stumbling block eventually where he actually started enjoying it and he, in particular, for his um, interests, I let him pick out whatever history type biographies that he wanted to read because that was something that he enjoyed for his free reading. So, uh, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you gave him a lot of different kinds of support mm-hmm. and opportunities. Yep. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Another reason for
0: okay. literature.
1: Well, um, and this goes along with the worldview idea. Um, and also learning to identify it and practice analyzing it. But we, when you tie in the fact that um, literature can be a reflection of history and society and mm-hmm. what those beliefs are at the time, you can tie in the idea that some of these worldviews, it was almost like a pendulum if you can look at it. Um, it, it can be a little blurry, but the pendulum kind of goes back and forth in these literary time periods. You have the Puritans who started out speaking about God, and, and a lot of their literature was, was focused on their faith. Um, so you had more of a you know, a Christian worldview in that time period. And then you can then see the pendulum kind of swing over to where you're looking at the age of reason and enlightenment, and it was more of a humanistic, um, logic-type presentation of viewpoints Um, science was tied into it and the pendulum was over toward more the secular and then it swings back again toward maybe the romanticism time period where you had poets who were seeing God in nature and they were talking about God again and then it goes back again the pendulum swings um, over to more of a humanistic with the realism and the naturalism literary time period so I usually tie when I'm teaching What does does the time period seem to have going on with the authors and what viewpoint are a number of the authors focusing on and then looking at other authors that aren't focusing on that particular viewpoint? So I really try to tie it in practically and then tie in history into that as well. And at the same time, tie in, well, was the author living during that time period and what was the author experiencing?
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of homeschooling is we can really lean into the fact that you know literature did not happen in a vacuum. Right, that there was history happening at that same time, mm-hmm. and so we can leverage history and literature together. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we did a lot of that in our homeschools. If we're doing American history, we're doing American exactly. literature and mm-hmm.
1: things like that. Yeah. And so a lot of times what the authors and poets were writing was a reflection of what they were experiencing in history and also beliefs during in society during that time period in, yeah. in which they lived. And to give you an example with Charles Dickens, he wrote, the Christmas Carol, based on, and also David Copperfield, um, based on his own experiences with his family being in debtor's prison, and he was sent to go work in a blacking factory, where he was mm-hmm. blacking shoes, and that wow. really made a great impression on him. Being a child in this factory setting, to where he, it was, it showed up in mm-hmm. his writing years later, and he wanted to advocate for these people who were working in these factories under these conditions so that's a reflection of his own personal experience so we i tend to explore that um and where the author's coming from and why and what did he experience and what was going on around him or her and then that leads into the fact that the literature can also be an influence on history and society and what the authors or poets were writing at the time it can influence history and what was going to come it can it could influence society and in what they were going to believe and that includes Harriet Beecher Stowe for instance with yeah. uncle tom's cabin and abraham lincoln he supposedly commented when he met her so you're the little woman who wrote the book that started this great war
0: i tell you what that's one of my favorite quotes when i have been teaching co-op classes with literature is you know that people can use their words to change the world, mm-hmm. so when they get God's ideas on something um, to to give themselves permission to write mm-hmm. about it, it's very powerful
1: it's very powerful, and speeches um, as well as written word um, very powerful tool. rhetoric can be a very powerful tool, and mm-hmm. you you have to use it wisely
0: yes. Absolutely. And that's a good discussion to have with kids. Um, we would get our kids together, for, uh, have a speech team, and they would memorize favorite speeches from history just to see what people were thinking and how they said it. That's great. And it gave them, you know, a nice way to start. So,
1: yeah, it, I think that things like that give them a real understanding of the world around them. Yes. And it gives yes. them an opportunity to explore what they believe And as I said, use their world for you in interpreting what was going on and what is going on around them. Yeah. All right. Any
0: other reasons to
1: be studying? And that leads into the idea of developing and practicing what you had mentioned before, which is thinking skills and higher order thinking skills. And um, by looking at pieces of literature and interpreting and analyzing and then uh, assimilating and and filtering it through that world viewpoint, you're using all kinds of different levels of thinking skills. And I, as I said, I, being a former English teacher, I was always into making sure that my kids had those writing skills, but we also did, as you said, speeches. And even if it was just, um, in our living room, (laughs) Yeah. I would yeah. give my yeah. my kids a chance to do public speaking or I would uh, encourage them to join some sort of a speaking competition where they'd have mm-hmm. to write out a speech and then practice it and then obviously uh, present it. Or even at a co-op, I was teaching public speaking classes. So I really felt like reading, writing, and then speaking and using those analytical skills and the different levels of thinking skills to mm-hmm. then Take your ideas, organize them, and then present them. So
0: that is that is so beautiful. And, you know, I love the idea of just doing a speech in the living room is a valuable experience. Oh, definitely. It's just definitely. so good for kids to have exposure to different kinds of literature and mm-hmm. speeches. I
1: want. Yes. And it was great because uh, with my guy, I only had two, but we would get into discussions uh, just based on their. Little speeches that they did in the living room. And they just enjoyed the feedback and the back and forth and discussion in between themselves. What do you think about this? And it, yeah. it was fun to watch. And um, I miss that nowadays. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it really, it, it helped them develop their confidence. Mm-hmm. And also, they're on their feet thinking skills.
1: Definitely, and that's so good. Definitely, yeah. and we were, we were, we, I can't say we were Charlotte Mason Pierce, but we were Charlotte Mason inspired. Where yeah. I was a big uh, believer in having children either listen to what I was reading or them reading something on their own, and then having that oral narration where they're they're given the opportunity to organize those thoughts in their head before then summarizing or retelling what they just heard. That was terrific um, to get them to organize those thoughts.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so good, especially for kids who have some dyslexia Mm -hmm. or some wiggles, to use those skills verbally to start with. Yes. And, uh, and then it gets easier at college level. They already know the skills, and it's easier to do their, their essays and analyses oh, definitely. at
1: higher that level. That's one of the things that I used, especially with my um, other son who had a hard time with the reading and the writing even, and the speaking, was the oral, the oral narration. After he would orally narrate something to me, then he would write it down sentence by sentence on a piece of paper, and that's how he learned how to write. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a a gentle way to get them into where they need to go. Oh, yeah. It it was a natural
1: way. It just flowed uh, naturally, even though he really struggled, you know, with that whole idea. If I were to just put a piece of paper in, in front of him and tell him to write about something, he would be sitting there like a deer caught in headlights. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that would have been a lot of struggles. Oh yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. Okay. So Katie, I've got to wrap this up. Tell us again, where to find you so we can get, everybody connected.
1: Okay. Um, You can find me at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show with the Literary Cafe podcast, as well as Katie's Homeschool Cottage. And um, as you mentioned, when you said parents, sometimes they don't have the time to read literature themselves um, in order to have these discussions in order to do a literature study like the one that I'm talking about. Um, In the new year, I am going to be um, putting together online self-paced workshops for students in literature studies for different novels where there are going to be a combination of videos and also handouts where if the mother or father doesn't have the time to read the novel, um, I can go ahead and do these types of uh jumping off point discussions and getting the child thinking about these different points and answering questions um, with that type of self-paced class. And then I also have tutoring, and I'm going to be having writing workshops as well. And that will all be based out of katieshomeschoolcottage.com.
0: That is beautiful. So I'll be sure and share the links to those things. That's so exciting, Katie. I'm looking forward to investigating those things as you come out with oh, them and we'll share. So am I.
1: I'm very excited about it.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. And thanks to all of our Seventh Sisters who join us here at the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SeventhSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. We'll see you next week.